0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate teach you and put big days like this in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me, of course, at Jim Kramer. Right now, right now, the stock market and the bond market are like two heavyweight champions duking it out. And today's stocks had a very good round. Dow surging 1,173 points. The S&P skyrocketing 4.22%. NASDAQ soaring 3.8%. Who are these two boxers? In one corner, you have a stock market that had gotten viciously oversold thanks, yes, of course, to the coronavirus outbreak and Wall Street's existential fear of a Bernie Sanders presidency. In the other corner, well, you've got the bond market, specifically U.S. Treasuries. Every time they go up in price and go down in yield, lately their yields have been plummeting, sending, send a chill through the spine of all investors who follow both markets. Now, this is a vicious and I will tell you somewhat scary situation for us old hands, with bond yields so frighteningly low that they've been decking the much smaller stock market as surely as Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, sends so many challengers to the canvas. The bond market's still screaming that we're not out of the woods. That we're being complacent, but it couldn't land that blows today, because rates actually rose and the ten-year Treasury, which had a sub one percent yield, went back over that key level, also integral to the rally. But let me explain. First, we know there's a tremendous amount of fear in this market. We're afraid of getting sick, physically afraid, afraid for ourselves, afraid for our families, for our children, for our parents, for our spouses. We're afraid of the economic fallout from a possible pandemic. When investors are terrified, you get what's known as a flight to safety. People just want to hide the lowest risk assets they can find, even if they get very little return, maybe no return. And U.S. Treasuries are viewed as the ultimate safe haven. And that's why wealthy investors and institutions are pouring their money into our bonds. They don't, want to, they don't care if they make any money. They just don't want to lose it. And that's why interest rates keep plummeting. It's why the benchmark 10-year Treasury currently yields just above 1%, but was below 1% a couple of days, and that's close to record. You know, today's still close to record low. Buyers desperately want these bonds for protection. The sellers won't let them go, which is how you get a market that rises and rates go lower. If I were Treasury Secretary, which I'm not, I'd take advantage of this moment to offer billions or even trillions of dollars in long-term bonds, make America great bonds. I don't care what you call them. Now, the White House can't obviously spend that money without congressional approval. But Even so, this is the perfect time for the federal government to try to refinance what it can of the old national debt or, of course, Issue bonds to fix all our airports and our roads and our awful and third world, li- I'm sorry, undeveloped, un- whatever. Without new supply, these bonds are doomed to keep going higher every time we get scared by COVID 19. And we will again. Judging by the worldwide na- uh, nature of the outbreak, I think it's give- a given that there'll be more bad news. And I know a lot of people are feeling like we're out of the woods, but well, come on. I mean, it's too early. The lack of economic activity in terms of travel, leisure, dining and entertainment pushes rates down even further. If businesses cease operating in a normal fashion and everyone starts working at home, including the people who don't have a job who ain't been working, then you're bound to get a severe economic slowdown. The bonds are signaling recession for certain because of the coronavirus. And that's why the Fed wrongheadedly, wrongheadedly slashed short rates yesterday, because lower rates, won't make people more willing to go on vacation in the middle of an epidemic. Lower rates are not the tonic we need. This is more important than lower rates. This! In fact, that rate cut not only signaled panic worse, it signaled cluelessness. This is not a financial crisis, for heaven's sake. It's a public health crisis. It's great to have lower rates if there's demand for money, but when there's no demand because you're too afraid to go outside, let alone go buy a car and refinance, I mean, come on. Paradoxically, what happened, the rate cuts might hurt us. I speak to many older people who seem more worried about not getting enough return from their fixed income than they are about coming down with the coronavirus. Maybe they should be more concerned because we know the death rates for older people, but I'm just telling it as it is. The combination of those fears gave us the stock market that seemed to know no bottom. But today, the other fighter, the heavyweight I've been on all my career, the technicals, gave stocks a major boost. I'm talking about the market edge short-range oscillator. It's a proprietary uh, indicator that I pay to see after the market closes every day. I've been getting it for years. I've been getting it since the 1980s. It really matters to me. used to be the S&P. Now it's put out by market edge. This is the source. I like to credit something that's so important in my thinking. This darn thing is so reliable that even in the midst of a bearish biological bond crisis, it allowed stocks to win the round. What does an oscillator do? It measures buying or selling pressure, and in particular it tells us when the selling may have gotten out of control. When you are caught up in events, you may not actually know that things have gotten out of control. You're looking for totems, for benchmarks, for tokens, anything that makes you feel like, wait a second, have things gotten too crazy. And that's why I pay for MarketEdge.com's oscillator to make that judgment call for me. It's a pretty simple tool. When the oscillator's between negative 5 and 5, you're in the neutral zone, doesn't matter. It doesn't really work. When it goes above 5, well, there's too much euphoria. When it's below negative 5, there's too much gloom. Above 5, you probably want to do a little sell, and below negative 5, you probably want to start doing some buying, certainly cover your shorts. The more extreme the reading, the more aggressive you can get. So when the oscillator goes below negative 12, my benchmark, there's almost always a great time to buy, almost always. We saw this after 9-11, when that terrible tragedy turned out to be a one-off event. We saw it on August 11th of 2011, when everyone was terrified the U.S. government might default during the debt-stealing uh, crisis. And our debt was, of course, downgraded by none other than well, the rating agencies. We, S&P, we saw it in January 2016, when the Chinese stock market collapsed, right at the, when the Fed seemed hell-bent on raising rates. And we saw it again at the end of 2018, when the Fed once again tightened way too aggressively and proved to me— they know- same. Each time was a marvelous moment to buy stocks. Each time stocks were overreacting to some news that turned out to be not as serious as Wall Street believed. Sure, things were bad, but they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. They were bad. Ooh. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. Weren't that bad. Weren't bad. Okay. And these things were all solved. Let's talk about this, though. Um, this is the one time where the market edge oscillator failed. OK, this is what I think is the outlier, the Great Recession. If you bought stocks when the oscillator hit minus 12 back then, well, guess what? You did get smoked because we were dealing with the true financial crisis where nearly all of our biggest banks and big insurers, too, were in danger of going under. The government, particularly the Fed, had no idea how bad things were. By the time the Fed started cutting rates aggressively, it was too little, too late. And the stock market got more than cut in half before it bottomed. And many of our famous financial institutions became, let's just say, moribund. Now, is this coronavirus panic more like the financial crisis here? Or is it like this, 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 this? Which is it like? What is it like of the minus 12s? The four times it worked in recent history, there was no credit crisis. There were no big failures. There was no systemic risk. The one time we failed to bounce, we had all those problems. The reason it was so wrong for the Fed to cut yesterday is that it made old hands like me feel like there's got to be this. This is what we reacted to. That it must be some credit crisis that we don't know about. Some institutions are on the verge of the failure. Come on, Jay. Just like in the Great Recession. That's what you thought you'd do, Jay. They were trying to restore confidence. All they did was instill panic. Thank heavens we got over that quickly. As I said over and over again, this is a biological crisis with, with economic fallout. It could hurt hiring. It could cause layoffs. But if the federal government helps tide over small businesses and the short-term unemployed, as Congress seems to want to do, I think we'll come out on the other side just fine, even with outbreaks closing down commerce all over the country. I expect a mild recession based on weakness in travel and entertainment. But right now, the oscillator is saying you should buy stocks, both short and long term. Even after today's increase, uh, my friend Bill at Market Edge just told me we remain at double-digit negativity. More good news for the bulls. More likely that we're here and not here. Okay? Of course, you could say this rally reflects more than just an oversold bounce. Obviously, Joe Biden's strong Super Tuesday performance allowed Wall Street to breathe a huge sigh of relief. Maybe we're betting on more stimulus. Eh, I don't really like that, but I heard it all day because people can't resist saying stuff like that. Maybe a possible cure. I don't think we're getting that either. But I see it say it's a traditional stat back. And even if you disagree, you can use this strength that we're getting right now. You can sell all you want. Get rid of all those bad stocks you don't like. You're worried about the fill Sell, sell, sell for all I care. As for me, yes, we lightened up a bit on stocks we bought during the day. Downturn for my Javel Trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Just we were just being prudent there for a gigantic gain. We're still very long. The bottom line: the stock market champ put the bearish bond market challengers through the meat grinder today, turbocharged by the turn against socialism in last night's primaries. Missed the bout? Don't worry. I'm sure there'll be one again tomorrow. Wayne in New York. Wayne. Hey, Jim. Way calling in, calling in tonight on SWK Stanley Black and Decker. This past Monday, uh, Stanley presented at the Raymond James Interna- Institutional Investors Conference, and they were given their virus impact situation. They were uh, going over their supply chain exposure on their ten factories in China and. Yeah, well, it's there. good. They're moving some back. I, you know what? They should move all their back. I'm actually disappointed that Stanley just kind of just ceded their future to the Chinese. You see how foolish that was. Other companies are making that same darn mistake. I think Stanley would look if you want to do that, buy then go by Home Depot. I think you want the diversity. You don't have the Chinese risk. And once again, I remind companies, watch what happened this time around. If you were too dependent on China, whether you were a drug company, whether you were a hammer company, I don't care. You look very ill-advised, and you're only getting the term ill-advised because tonight I feel like Jimmy, chill. Let's go to Carrie in Nevada. Carrie. Hi, Jen. Um, this is Carrie in Nevada, and okay. I've been watching your show for a long time. Um, I bought boot
1: B-O-O-T, at
0: 36 around three weeks ago when you had the interview with the CEO. Right.
1: Since, since I bought boot, it's gone down around 20% and is plummeted around 60% from its recent high of 48. I can't tell if it's going to continue to go down or if I should keep it. No, I think you should keep it. I like the model.
0: Uh, you know, we had them on the show a number of times. Matt Boss likes them. I'll have to check in with Matt. I do think that they, uh, they have, they're in good shape. They are retailer. Retailers have been very varied here, Greg, in New Jersey. Greg? Booyah. how are we doing Jimmy Chill? Jimmy Chill is first, taking it. He's taking it. He's taking it to the house. First time caller, long time listener. Okay. I wanted to get your thoughts on FedEx leading into earnings. Well, you're, you know, you're t- you're rolling the dice, my friend. You're rolling the dice. And I don't like dice. I like cards better cuz I I have a memory for the no memory cards, but I think FedEx is, you know, maybe you want to do it in calls, but You got to see, you want China to come back online, you want commerce to come back online, you want the management to come back online. That's a lot of lines. Now, in one corner, you got the stock market. In the other corner, you got the bond market. Today, the latter was put through the meat grinder. Missed it? Oh, tomorrow we'll get another bout. I think we're more like this and like this and like this and like this and not like that. Jay Powell may disagree with me. He's Fed Chief. Babe, but I'm supposed to money. I'll make money tonight. With interest rates at record lows, could, that was just phony hubris. Could an investment in gold make sense here? I'm talking with the CEO of one of my favorites, Barrett Gold, find out what's ahead. Then, is the most popular method of investing actually reached its apex, Don't miss my take on index funds, especially the sliver fund. And did coronavirus fears impact Dollar Tree's most recent quarter, or was it execution problems? I've got the exclusive with the CEO. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money.
0: Don't be blinded by the green today. We've had a ton of volatility. You need to continue to guard against those ugly down days like we endured last week. Now, I've always told you that you need to own some gold as insurance against economic chaos. And despite a temporary pullback last week, the precious metals coined into overdrive lately. Now, there's a lot of ways to own gold. You can go with the bullion, if you can find it. Uh, you can buy the uh, GLD, which is an exchange-traded fund that owns the commodity. So you don't have to or, or you can go with the gold miners. And this is where I can give you value added because my favorite miner is Barrick Gold. It's a corporation, the operation that created by the merger of Gold with old Barrick at the end of 2018. The combined company is now the world's premier gold producer with a phenomenal portfolio of low-cost mines over the world. Barrick's most recent quarter was fantastic. Stock is up double digits for 2020 and I think it's a great place to hunker down in the chaotic the uh, roller coaster of a market. Don't take it from me though. Hey, let's dig deeper with Mark Bristow. He's the president CEO of Barrick Gold, and my favorite miner. Hear about his company's prospects, Dr. Bristow. Welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Hello, Jim. How you
0: doing? Well, Mark, you told me that this merger would be gigantic. A two plus two is five. This one's looking like a two plus two is seven. Big dividend boost. Unbelievable lower costs. How did you put it together?
1: You know, proper due diligence, Jim. And uh, and when you when you combine high quality assets with high quality people, you always get high quality results.
0: Now, you have found, I think, when people go through your documents, that Nevada has a safe place. I'm used to you drilling in places that aren't safe. But Nevada is an unbelievable gold producer for you guys.
1: So that's important. That was a key component of this uh, combination was to really consolidate uh, Nevada and really that's the foundation of value for Barrick. Then we've got the opportunities and the risks in South America, Central America, one of the biggest gold mines in the world. And then you look at uh, Papua New Guinea, the Rim of Fire, a place that we've got to go to find those big elephants. And Africa, you know well, Jim, you've uh, walked that voyage with me. Uh, High quality assets in a continent where you can make money and deliver value as we proved in Rand gold resources. Uh, You
0: have always been telling me it's not enough just to have gold. You like dividends. You like to put money in people's pocket. 40% dividend increase for Q4?
1: That's correct. And if you look back at... Uh, from the announcement on the 23rd of September, 2018, more than 100 percent increase in dividends. And what's more, it's based on the quality of our P&L, our earnings.
0: Right. Now, you did something else in terms of we call it impact per share. You talk about ESG. I don't see that when I read a lot of mining reports. You call it not just a social imperative.
1: You say it's a commercial one. What are you doing? And- Exactly. You've got to be, you know, you've got to, in this modern world, we've got to be good citizens as well as good businessmen. And when you go to uh, emerging markets, it's very important that you realize you're managing national assets. And those people in those countries should benefit from your activities. Just like we expect uh, to deliver value for our shareholders, we're equally intent to make sure that we earn our social license and those stakeholders in those countries also benefit.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Africa. I have been telling people over and over again that my friend Mark Bristow is not worried about these different kinds of infections. The one you dealt with, you were at the epicenter of it, Ebola, and you were not scared, and you developed methods to be able to do commerce. Could you please tell uh, the people in this country who are petrified that there are ways to do commerce and business even in the toughest places?
1: You can manage this, you know, as you correctly say, we, we went through the West African Ebola outbreak. Uh, it was uh, put to bed. We are still dealing with the Eastern DRC Ebola uh, crisis. In fact, we've had now 10 days, Jim, of no new infections. So that's fantastic. We're turning it around. And what that's taught us is how to manage these situations, and the importance of knowing where people have come from, uh, making sure that we attend to hygiene, that we control the access of people into our operations, and more importantly, the lo- managing the logistics and the inventory of our critical consumables and those half moving items. And you can be rest assured that uh, the, re- the whole of Barrack across the globe looks like our assets used to look like in West Africa when that first Ebola uh, outbreak happened. Well, I
0: appreciate that courage and encouragement. One last question, Mark. I I think you and I both know it, and you taught me this. We're running out of gold in terms of easy to to find gold. I feel that this is gold's time, that this is not just a small move. We could be in a multi-year move, given the fact that you've got all the good assets. The other guys don't seem to have any money. Could I be right that there is, finally, finally, not enough gold and not enough miners. That This is your time.
1: Absolutely. And never has there been such a uh, alignment of all the different um, fundamentals that support the gold price. You know, when you look back uh, post-1972, there was a period of deflation. Gold price, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was... Um, you know, where, where the, the, uh, we had negative interest rates. Then we went through the sort of positive interest rates in the back end of the last century. And, and as you know, uh, we had a very low gold price. And we've been in this negative interest rate for some time now. On top of it, as you point out, we're forecasting somewhere around 30% decline in new gold production over the next 10 years. And then if you look at gold prices risen in every single currency to almost record levels. And that's despite the fact that the equities have continued to perform strongly. So there's something happening here, Jim. Apart from the fundamentals and the tightening of supply, in the global economy, there's a nervousness. We might not be at the top of the market, but we are a lot closer to the top than the bottom and people need to have a bit of insurance. Boy,
0: do they ever. And
1: I think one other thing I would leave you with is for the first time last year, we saw gold equities outperform the gold price. Right. First right. time for a very long time. It's good to buy some gold. Oh,
0: I agree with you, Mark Bristow, CEO of Barrett Gold. A winner. Thank you so much, sir. You heard what he said. Stocks are actually outperforming the bullion, And this is the best one known. Mad Money's back in the day. Have we finally reached a peak in index foundation? As I look at this whipsaw market with the Dow rebounding nearly 1,200 points from yesterday's sell off, I gotta wonder. I wonder if the most popular investing idea of all time, stick your money in an index fund that mirrors the averages, then forget about it, may have reached its high water mark. Yeah, we've reached a point where more than half of all funds are now indexed. And when it comes to money management, something uh, that popular is rarely right. Remember, the whole premise of investing in index fund is that it's impossible to consistently beat the market by picking individual stocks. So you can't beat it. So therefore, you got to join it. Now, I I don't think it's impossible to beat the market. Remember the thing I created, Fang? That kind of crushed the market. But picking winners does take some time and effort, which I'm willing to put in. I want you to put in. That's why I've been a fan of index funds, because I know you may not have that time. I get the appeal. But man, oh man, when everybody's got that same darn strategy, that strategy really works. I'm starting to believe that index funds have gotten too crowded. And a down market like we had last week really validates stock picking especially for those of us who had some cash on the sidelines, take advantage of the weaknesses. as I did did with my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the com club. I still think there's a place for indexing. I've got some retirement money in it. i got money in a cheap index fund that mirrors the S&P 500, and I do believe that should be the bedrock of your retirement account. However, aside from that, the massive movement towards sector ETFs, which you hear about all the time, it seems increasingly foolish. The overall S&P 500 index concept works because the S&P is, in fact, a very actively managed fund. Each year, they take out the winners, those that have gotten takeover bids and are sold at a premium to where they were trading. And they take out the losers, those that got too small, usually because of genuine business risk. But these sector ETFs, well, they're nothing more than fee generators. And I'll argue otherwise, but I'm tired, tired of them. Take yesterday. I spent a considerable amount of time with Mike Worth. He's the incredibly good CEO of Chevron. Mike beats the competition on cash flow, growth, dividend, buybacks, even sustainability, considering uh, things like flaring. But it doesn't matter. See, uh, Chevron's in the oil ETF. And these days, the proponents of oil stock trading is in ETFs. If I were still at my hedge fund, you know what I'd do? I'd go long Chevron here and short the darn oil ETF. That's an active manager's method. I'd use the ETF against itself, betting that Chevron will outperform the rest of the industry. We see the same thing in pharma. The drug ETFs have homogenized the unhomogenizable. We have some very good drug companies. And there's a very bad ones. Same with biotech. They're too numerous to mention. But I highlight the winners constantly. Why would you want to buy the ETF that also sticks you with the losers? The ones that don't spend enough on R&D, so they don't have much of a pipeline, which is the key determinant of growth. Then there's the issue of the obvious, the bogus single stock risk that you hear about in ads. Single stock risk. The single stock risk of owning FANG, a watch, my acronyms for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Alphabet, now Google, which was Google, or Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. Is that so hard? Is that a single stock risk? These are the best companies in their industries. We know that. They have the best boundaries. They have the best growth. They have the most unassailable positions. they got big moats. But the fee-hungry brokerage industry, which is constantly running out of ways to grow, would have you believe that each of these is more dangerous than the last because they're individual stocks. Scary. But if you mix them up, maybe you mix them up with Twitter or Snap or Hewlett Packard Enterprise or IBM or Intel or Kohl's, Big Lots, Nordstrom. Hey, somehow you'll soften the blow. Bring in some mediocrity. That's not softening the blow. It's leaning into the blow. Why own both the winners and losers in an industry when you can just pick the very obvious winners? And every one of those that I said is mediocre. I hope they get better. Okay. So those are saying, Jim, we're not mediocre. I hope you get better. I'm just looking at stock prices. Look, at the end of the day, these sector-based index funds were designed for a market where most investors picked individual stocks. We're now in an environment where, for many industries, many more people trade the indices than individual stocks. He's created indices. I, uh, uh, ledger demand. Creates a lot of opportunities for those of you who are willing to manage your own money. Yeah, I know I'm early. But anyone who doesn't see this index fund peak on the horizon is fooling themselves. And enough with the single stock risk berating of our viewers who were smart enough to buy the good stocks and leave the raggedy rest to others. Brian in Ohio, please, Brian. Oh, yeah, Jim. Brian from Dayton Flyer Country. All right, man, speak to me. Over the past few days, you've been mentioning a few
3: high-dividend-paying stocks you like and some you don't like. With Kraft Heinz now paying over 6.2% after the huge drop in the stock price a year ago, which of your list is that one on?
0: Well, that's a poorly managed company with uh, pantry brands that actually may you better if you want to have a fallout shelter because we might have nuclear war with the Soviets since 1968 or 1958 and Khrushchev. Uh, otherwise, why? I like good-tasting food that's fresh. Something I learned when I was growing up. The mass movement towards sector ETFs is not prudent. It's not right for you. The index fund peak is on the horizon. Hey, much more made money. Including my exclusive with Dollar Tree. How are the coronavirus and Chinese tariffs impacting this company? I've got the CEO. Then stocks might be bouncing today, but there's still some serious discounts to be found. How about Kramer Fave's Zendesk? Hey, why don't you get zen like me, Jimmy Chill? Is it worth considering here? And all lawyer calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round, so stay with Kramer. We are trying to make sense of things for you here tonight in the face of this incredibly difficult but panicky tape. I like to buy hysteria, not sell it. I like to buy panic, not sell it. We don't advocate panic because it's not a strategy. There are two kinds of companies in the blast zone. The ones that are at risk and the ones that are really at risk. What bounces best. That's what you must be thinking about at this point. What a day. We have your back, and we'll get through this together. All 11 S&P sectors were hired today. But not everything was working. This is a rough time for many of the retailers. And we saw that even when Dollar Tree reported some less than optimal results this morning. Now, Dollar Tree's been trying to turn around their lagging family dollar business for years now. And they keep hitting some speed bumps along the way. Last year, it was the trade war. Lots of their stuff comes from China. Then the company reported a tepid quarter three months ago. Now, we've got an epidemic keeping people at home. In the most recent numbers, uh, let's just call it mix. When Dollar Tree delivered a four cent earnings beat off seventy five basis this morning, the revenue was a bit light and their same store sales were weaker than expected, up just 0.4% year over year. Worse, management gave light guidance for both the next quarter and the full year. And that's why the stock got slammed today. it's fell more than 3% on an otherwise great day for the averages. So can this chain turn itself around or are they in real trouble? Let's take a closer look with Gary Film, the straight-shooting president and CEO of Dollar Tree. Get a better sense of what's happened and what the future looks like. Mr. Film, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Jim, thanks for having me again.
0: Okay, so Gary, uh, you've got one operation, uh, Dollar Tree, which I've always loved and been supportive from day, from day one. Uh, you got another one, Family Dollar, which you still turning around. But I noticed this quarter you've got one management, and that could really be helping going forward. I just told them it was passed, and particularly on the discretionary side of things. So tell us about the management changes and what they could mean for the
3: future. Well, we did, and we we're excited because really the path forward was, we said, one voice, one message, both for our folks and the trade. And we have now one chief merchant, Rick McNeely, and we have one chief or one enterprise president, Mike Witensky.
0: Okay. now, no matter what, though, you're still faced with your brick and mortar and you did have China and now you've got Corona. So how can those people make a difference? Uh, Well,
3: Corona, thankfully, we've talked to folks on the street today about uh, where we sat on our supply chain. We don't know what the future is going to be, but right now we feel like things are turning back to normal on the supply side. I think the real story is about where is the projection for family dollar, and what we called out was the discretionary side, which has been a laggard at family dollar. We like H2. You saw the store. Right. It's been getting us the foot traffic. That's the
0: new store we went to in uh, Asburg.
3: Exactly. And now we got to tweak the discretionary side, the margin side of the store.
0: Now, uh, I, this tariff headwind is problematic, and at the end, in the conference you talked about how difficult it is to move sourcing. But don't you have to in the end? I mean, didn't this turn out to be the perfect storm that made it feel like you have to move some to Mexico and get out of China totally, Southeast Asia some? Because it looks like that that was the smart move.
3: Well, and you can and we do, but it's not as easy as picking up a supply chain and dropping it into another country. But we have moved on each buying trip. We've moved product out of China. Now we're faced with tariffs that will go through the first half because Mm -hmm. don't forget, We had 15% on 4A, now 7.5, they will roll through. But uh, that'll be a first-half hit and
0: headwind for Dollar Tree. But when I read that the compares are going to be tough in the first half, I was struggling to try to find a reason to tell people to buy Dollar Tree right now, that maybe you just have to suffer through a couple of quarters before you get to the promised land.
3: I think we try to be very transparent today. We really are. Management change, here was our issue on the family dollar side. Let's get our house in order on the discretionary. We can be more than we are today on the family dollar side. And the Dollar Tree team, our chief merchant and the executives that are going to be driving that, have a clear focus. This is what we do at a dollar price point. We deal with some of the same vendors when we go over over the seas to really prescribe and make the kinds of products we want.
0: Okay. Now, my uh, wife was out on Long Island yesterday, and she paid $20. She wanted the hand sanitizer.
3: She it was not a Dollar Tree or a was- family dollar. And can you
0: keep this in stock?
3: You know, the spike for all retailers is off the charts right now. Uh, Certainly, folks are doing the right thing. Let's wash our hands. Let's use hand sanitizer. And there's certainly a spike in it right now. We're doing everything we can to stay in stock.
0: Does anyone just come in and buy that and not buy this and this and all this other cool stuff that I like? You
3: know, what's interesting this week, it's certainly the news is the coronavirus, but it's tax refund time. Right. And it's first of the month. Right. And really what we're seeing, especially on the family dollar side this week, People are shopping the whole store. In Dollar Tree, too, we're a few weeks out from Easter, but the right. seasons have started to lift at Dollar Tree.
0: And also, one of the things, you know, I buy my balloons and I get them every holiday. Come Thank you. Look, I. You know, I'm a very simple person. This is what my father did. It's what I do. No helium shortage this year. So maybe year over year, that could be
1: good.
3: Well, I call it out Valentine's Day, a much better Valentine's Day for Dollar Tree on a huge opportunity for us because if it's a big holiday. But uh, helium was in better shape. Right. But the, the offset of that or the, the attitude was he sold more party and the Hallmark cards that we have in Dollar Tree and now Family Dollar coming too. Uh, Hallmark cards have been a great lift for the party section at Dollar
0: they're, Tree. They're expensive everywhere else. That's how you, you do get a bargain. Uh, they're one Walmart
3: dollar there. still at Dollar Tree, so two well, for a
0: dollar and dollar. Well, how about the uh, you were doing the ex- more expensive Dollar Tree? How's that going? The two.
3: Dollar Tree Plus. Yes. Two, we called it 2.0. Uh, we really wanted to reboot it. Right. And you heard me talk about it well, last year. You were
0: year. very honest. It's like you, you're tweaking it. You don't have it right
3: yet. Well, we we really want, wanted to buy the right items. Right. And we thought the items that our customer expected at Dollar Tree were more about the wow, the right. discretionary items. What do you find that you know is somewhere more than two, three or five dollars somewhere else? We said 2.0. It's going to be in categories that are aimed for a mom and kids. Uh, much more discretionary, cool stuff that people will see in store.
0: OK, I got to believe that you you put the 200 million to work. So uh, buying stock, I have to believe that you believe. I, uh, but, you know, it's now a show me story.
3: It is. Uh, I think it's uh, as we tell our plan. I think we get credit for telling uh, the, the good and bad of where we are on the on the plan so far. But people say, now go do it. And that's where our management team is focused, on well, because yeah. we know we can. We have confidence. In this plan. Well,
0: I know that uh, online or off price, of which you're most definitely off price, are the two places to be. So let's hope you get that done, Gary. Without a doubt. Okay, thank you. That's Gary Philbin. He's the CEO of Dollar Tree. I love my Dollar Tree. Family dollar, if they get that going, stock goes much higher. Man, money's back into the first. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, dive. Time the lightning round. We're going to start with Diana in New York. Diana. Carolina. now.
1: One sec, uh-huh. okay? Hold on. You're up. Okay.
0: Speak to me. You're Hi, on, Jim.
1: Jim. Booyah.
0: Booyah. I was actually wondering what your thoughts on luck and coffee were. In. Well, you're rolling the dice with luck. and we got a lot of dice rollers. Today. I don't mind that at all because in the end you're allowed to speculate. But I do think that if you like a coffee company, I think you ought to buy the one that Mike Charible Trust has been buying. And that would be, yes, Starbucks, where you can get a triple-a-threat cap. give going to call it, a Kramer. Let's go to Scott in Indiana. Scott. Jimmy Kramer, the legend, the man. Done. Hey, Jim. Thanks for everything you do for the small investors. Yes. I've got a stock I want to know a little bit about um, progeny PGNY. Well, I got to do my little homework on that big boy because I do not know it well enough. Progeny be the thing. I remember when it was progeny was like a dial-up company. Let's go to Alan in California. Alan. Hi, Jim. Alan. Booyah. Booyah. Thank you very much for your show and advice throughout the years. Eleven years ago, you provided me some insight. On a stock, and it went up six hundred percent. Fantastic! Thank you. Today, I'm asking about AMT. Oh uh. man, it's tackling. James Tacklin. I, mean, I got to tell you, he's been a hundred times shorts have told me to write this guy off. A hundred times they've been wrong. American Towers good, and yes, I know about the combination. You think I'm an idiot between T-Mobile and Sprint? I don't care. We still need more towers. And that's going to be great for America Tower. Don't forget, it's also like International Tower, which I would have changed my name for that. Saxon in New York. Saxon. Who we yeah, Jim? First-time caller, long-time watcher. Just All want right. to give a quick shout-out to America's team, the Buffalo Bills and the Bills Mafia. I wasn't aware that they're America's team, but I'm willing to go with that because of my friends the beebouts. Thank you. What's up? <laughs> uh, I'm calling about a stock today called JD. They had a great earnings report on Monday, and their guidance is seen for the first quarter. revenues rising by 10%. What do you think? No. Don't, you know, look, we got the Alibaba. How much do we have to be in there? Uh, no, no. Hey, why don't we go to... Oh, this could be, this may be a mistake. Charlotte in North Carolina? Charlotte? Oh, yeah, bono, 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 from the city of Charlotte. I got, uh, no, 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 bought them last month. I don't know whether. That is like one of the most speculative stocks in the world. That's all I'm going to say. Is it's incredibly speculative, and you're on your own, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. Let's go to Jim in Florida. Jim.
3: Hi, Jim. I'm calling from Naples. I bought Eaton in 2008 or 9. Uh, you suggested it as an unintentional high dividend yield. Yes. I've been holding it ever since, and I was just wondering if I should buy no, more. I,
0: I would actually, it's uh, 3% yielder. It's doing much better than it used to be. Uh, and yes, the answer is I would buy more. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: A lot of stocks are bouncing today, but there's still plenty of names that are down dramatically from their highs that are intriguing. Some of them, the ones that are basically immune to the coronavirus should be worth picking up here. Hey, why don't we talk about Zendesk? That's the software-as-a-service company that helps other businesses handle customer support. Now, here's a stock that spent years as one of the best performers in the market, a billion-dollar sales company. After stumbling last summer as the turbocharged growth cohort briefly went out of style, though, Zendesk thing came rolling back. It peaked at 95 last July. A month ago, it was back Above ninety after the company reported an excellent quarter. But over the last couple of weeks it's been hammered again. Hundred and seventy three dollars as of today, thanks to the market wide sell off. And it is the market wide sell off, believe me. Now Zendesk was supposed to have a big conference in Miami today, but they had to cancel and do a virtual version instead because of the coronavirus outbreak. They also held an analyst day on top of that, so we're gonna be it's what do you think? taking a look at this company from afar. I want to take a close look, though, with Mickle Spade. Somebody we really likely introduced to you when we we're out west. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Zendesk. Get a better read on how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Spade, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so Mickle, I know that you had to have your conference remotely, but when I look at your business... I think it's one of the best stay-at-home businesses because you're a software company, and you seem to be able to help companies wherever your people are. Am I being too optimistic?
2: <laughs> well, um, I would have loved to have been in Miami today. Uh, I've I dressed forward mentally. I'm there, uh, and it would have been great to spend some time with our customers. We are in the relationship business, and like we love spending time with our customers. So we're definitely like we're definitely impacted by not having this conference and like we have to think about the impact overall
0: to our business but i think it's important to t- talk about success stories now it's an outfit i don't know because frankly michael i'm too old but boy does it sound great an alpha called indochino which is the kind of company that's destroying traditional brick and mortar they use you you've got a great customer story with them why don't you tell our viewers probably tells more than anything else about how good you are at your job
2: thank you yeah so like one of the things we have announced today is the general availability of our sunshine crm platform it's a next generation headless crm and 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 truly designed for a service first crm world Uh, companies like indochino are starting to model all of their different customer attributes all their customer workflow all their customer information on the Sunshine platform and can make that information available to everybody in the business so they can provide a seamless customer experience. We're very excited about working with these types of companies that are really thinking uh, service first CRM. And we're working with companies like Indochino that you mentioned. We're working with companies like Logitech, Netflix, and many, many others on these kinds of solutions.
0: These are all companies that we've had. We happen to be big fans of Logitech, and that's terrific. Could you tell us what you do for them? Because we, we, we've had them on maybe a uh, dozen times.
2: <laughs> yeah, so Logitech is one of our early uh, movers on the Sunshine platform and they have in modeled the entire product catalog and all of their customers on Sunshine. That means that when a customer, one of their customers log into their system, they can instantly see all the products that they have, what versions of it, what drivers are available, all these different things. And they're uh, service agents and as customer facing people can see the same information they can see exactly like what does the customer have what version of it and all these things and it just provides for a much much seamless much more smoother customer experience
0: I think it's important to point out that you do not want to create me too products at Zendesk and you have something that I think is really terrific as a small business owner which you've got conversational ca- capabilities but you also can do uh, native messaging capabilities that is the latest greatest right now isn't it
2: yeah like this is like this is where everything is going to so messaging like our our kids the next generations they're not going to use email they're not going to call each other it's all going to happening okay. on some kind of messaging so like our new support suite that is just being released today brings in natively all the world's most popular uh, channels for for messaging over social channels and this is something that we see a lot of the first movers embrace very rapidly right now to make sure they are in very tight touch with their customers and we've been working with great brands like Four Seasons to ensure mm-hmm. that like their concierge service is available for all guests all guests when they log into the hotels and they can provide that seamless experience that very personalized experience over messaging.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Michael. I go to Four Seasons a lot. Look, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to go to Four Seasons. I say, but that's you. I didn't know that was you. You make it so that we feel great. Yep. I just, I'm checking in with one in April in Toronto, their headquarters area. And it, you know, it's seamless. Yep. And it's Zendesk, huh?
2: Yep, it's, it's a, it's a great service experience. I've used it with my own kids out in their hotel in Costa Rica. Fantastic experience when my kids wanted a, a pizza evening with popcorn after spending a week in the jungle. And like, it, it really is a seamless experience and it's, it's smooth, it's fast and it's the future of how we engage with each other and it's the future of how we expect to communicate.
0: Well, I'm glad that you were able to at least come on our show if it was only by remote. We didn't get to talk about the Amazon Web Services tie, and that'll be next time. But you know what? You, you have, uh, you're a loved figure among many of the customers. I know that because <laughs> they tell me about it. And that is Mikkel Svein. He's the chairman and CEO of Zendesk. Thank you so much, sir. It's always great to see you. Thank you. Everyone feels like you have missed a move. ZEN, look at it. You haven't missed anything. Stick with Kramer. If you think it's the end of the world, or if you think things are really bad, you know what? You just got a really big gain. You can lighten up and sell some stuff tomorrow and stop complaining about it. But if you're a long-term player, maybe things are better than we think. Certainly better than Jay Powell pal Like I said, this is always a bull market summer. I promise I'll find just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. I'll see you tomorrow. And the CBC special report, Markets in Turmoil, begins right now.